Okay, welcome to the first Rodent Track podcast, which we're calling Rodent Chat. I don't know why I'm making air quotes because no one can actually hear me. Uh, I'm Travis Okulski, I'm the digital director of uh, Rodent Track. I've got Bob Sorokonich here, who is the deputy editor, and our first guest ahead of this weekend's Indy 500 is James Hinchcliffe. I'm honored to be guest number one. Well, we thought that you'd be honored, and uh, it's also a throwaway podcast, yeah. so that way... <laughs> the first you know, one never goes anywhere, because yeah. you're just learning, and you make tons of mistakes. It's a limited edition. This is the first and only podcast. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I right like now, that. I feel like I have to look at the <laughs> microphone the entire time, which is really weird. Microphone but... technology's come a long way, Travis. You can kind of look in any direction, and it'll pick up everything. Oh. Well, that's, uh, you know... It's a seasoned podcast. Yeah, let he, me tell he's a professional. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. That's true. We're going to get to that. Uh-oh. We reserve the room for six hours. We've got to talk about something. Um, so it. this weekend, 102nd running of the Indy 500. Yes. And this week, past weekend saw quite a bit of drama, which left you on the sidelines for now. We yes. don't know if there might be some options being explored, as we've heard. Right. Um, what I'd love is, well, not love, but I'd like to hear you walk us through a bit of Saturday. You know, it started off, you know, you got in the field, but you had that two-hour rain delay. What was your, um, how, how did the day go, essentially? What, what went right, what went wrong? The day didn't go swell, <laughs> if I'm honest. Not exactly the plan. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, the, the weather the weather played, a, like, a, a role in the day, I guess, but I don't think it ultimately had a huge impact on that. On what happened to us because at the end of the day man everybody got their their one guaranteed run that's that's the rule in qualifying for the 500 and everybody knew that and uh the the big issue was that our one and ultimately only run um was it was it was slow and we knew that right away like i knew the first lap i saw the number on the dash and i'm like that well that's not good this isn't good mm-hmm. you know yeah. the we we knew we weren't a fast nine car um the hope was to kind of just do one run, get it somewhere in the 20 to 25th range. Real, let's call it 15th to 25th range, realistically, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then just kind of focus on Sunday. You know, we we weren't planning on doing a second run. Sorry, we had planned to not have to do a second run. Obviously, you mm-hmm. you're prepared for anything, but the goal was to just do one. Not worry about fast nine. Not worry about anything else. And just kind of be on be on our way. But as soon as they're that first lap, I'm like, all right, so we're, we're doing a second run. That's That yeah. sucks. And uh, it was kind of a, a quick turnaround. It was slower than we were expecting by a good chunk. We weren't sure where the speed went. Um, so it was a little bit of a panic for sure. Uh, a couple of guys ended up going slower than us. So we were briefly in the show. And, you know, then once everybody had their guaranteed attempt, the two lanes opened up and all the fun started. And... Uh, we were sitting in the slow lane until until we got bumped, uh, I think by Connor, and and then you know the, we had the, our plan at that point was sit in the slow lane until you're out and then you withdraw your time and and off you go. And uh, well, the, so slow lane fasting. What is the for our for our listeners who don't know? Listener yes. who doesn't know? Right. Yes. Yeah. Which is just going to be me yeah. for the first one. Um, <laughs> But no, so in, once everybody gets their guaranteed attempt, uh, they open up two lanes, the slow lane and the fast lane. And the slow lane is just for anybody that wants to go out and do another run. It costs you nothing. Uh, you just got to go and try and improve your time. The left lane or the fast lane is for uh, cars that pull their time and, and set a, a new time. 
that lane gets preference. Mm -hmm. So everybody has to be out of the fast lane before they'll get to the slow lane cars. Now, you know, there were only a handful, let's call it five people that were realistically worried about not being in the show at that point. So the, the left lane's never super busy right. with only that many cars. But we, you know, we waited and then we got in line and we had our opportunity. And that's, this is the sad part is, you know, the, the track was getting a bit quicker. Uh, you know, it was cooling down. It was, it was a good time of day to go out. We were, despite what happened in the first run, cautiously optimistic that we were going to be okay. Uh, and, I, and I pulled out for that first uh, or that second attempt and had this just vicious vibration, yeah. um, which you know, forced me to pit right away. And uh, <clears throat> we swapped tires again, mad panic, whatever. We're getting down in time now at this point. And uh, we got back in line. We had to refuel the car. All these things take time. It's, and it's, it's one of those things you look back at where the seconds went, you yeah. know, yeah. and uh, and ultimately, you know, we got back in the fast lane, but Pippa was in front of us, and she had every right to be, and she did her run, and during her run, the gun went off, and that was it. So it was uh, it was kind of panicked at some points, but, like, also weirdly calm because we didn't think we were going to run out of time. Yeah, I was wondering about that, yeah, because I, I would imagine that's aggravating as hell to just watch all this time go by as you're making these changes and things that you didn't anticipate having to do. Well, I think I, yeah, for sure. I mean, the 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 botched run is is what is what is what stings, mm. you know, because that's on nobody but us and um, you know, it's it's a part I've literally never heard of failing before. Right. So that's kind of bad luck, yeah. you know, but you make your own luck and um, you know, it's it's not in the press conference afterwards I said that I thought that the session ran until 6 o'clock. I want to be clear, the team knew it ended at 5:50. We didn't like mistime that as a team. Mm -hmm. I was just less panicked in the car because I'm like, we got ten minutes, we got plenty of time. Well, since when does the gun go off at five fifty? The gun's gone off at six o'clock for forever. A hundred, you know, twelve years. It's it's for it's for TV. You know, um, yeah. the TV window ends at six, so they want to be able to get some interviews in for the last ten minutes. So a couple years ago, I guess they started doing it at five fifty. Ignorantly, I didn't know that because fortunately I've never been in the position of really caring what was happening at six o'clock because we were in the show. Right. So, uh, you know, that, that one was on me, but the, the crew knew. So I don't want anybody to think that like we didn't read the schedule and we mistimed that. We knew what was going on. I just thought we had more time than we actually did. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's ultimately how it played out. And, you know, it was, it was devastating and awful and terrible and, you know, this group of 20 grown men crying, which you don't see every day, but that's the Indy 500. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not it, not to put a, a, a one spin you can put on it is, you know, Rahal's done this, Penske's done this, so now you've joined that group. So yeah, it's an illustrious crew, yeah. Um, yeah, but is that, so that leads me to the way that they're doing qualifying now. The proceed the way they're doing the procedure, setting the t setting the thirty three on Saturday, and then having Sunday be to be pole day. When there's a year of guaranteed bumping, wouldn't you think that pole day would be Saturday? The regular day would be Sunday. You think there's something that needs to be changed in the future? Should we guarantee full time drivers in the field? All right, so that's several different questions. Um, yes, I think I think that this particular qualifying format was dreamed up when we haven't had more than 33 cars. Um, and I think that there will definitely be conversations now. I think we've started a discussion as a result of what happened. Um, 
so yeah, I, I foresee some kind of change in the future, uh, you know, poll day being Saturday, bump day Sunday, or, you know, however you want to do it. Because there is there is definitely a uh, a case to be made that fast people trying to fight into the fast nine should not be sharing track time with people trying to bump into the race. You know, right. Those should be two different races against the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether that's, you know, normal qualifying ends at five and then bumping cars go for the last hour on their own or whatever, you know. Um, but then it's like, how do you, you know, it's a complicated process as it is, and it's going to get more complicated, whatever changes we make. Right. But I imagine there will be some change. Uh, as far as guaranteed spots in the race, man, that's a tough one. Right. Because there was a 27-6 rule back when it was IRL cart. Right. And, and that sent people running away. Right. That, that, that led to the birth of the U.S. 500. You yeah. Know, because exactly. it's, you know, but then, you know, NASCAR's done it with some success and, you know, people, it's so funny, man. People are so funny when they start throwing around the word tradition when it comes to this race because, like, there are literally 8,000 things that are different from the first Indy 500 yeah. that people don't mention, but one or two things change, and they're like, well, that's the, the tradition of it all. How yeah. great. You know, it's and like... And there's so many different traditions over the years exactly as, the, right. as the sport evolves. So, you know, the the argument that it's always been tradition that, you know, it's, it's 33 cars, it's fastest 33, there shouldn't be guaranteed spots or whatever... It's like, well, yeah, but it also used to be tradition that the gun went off at six. Yeah. No one's really, like, normally mentioned that until it was a thing, you know? It's like, it also used to be tradition that you didn't have seatbelts in cars. Like, like, how far (laughs) back are we going here? The track was made of bricks. Exactly. (laughs) The whole thing. There was two guys in the car at one point. Like, what are we... So, you know... you do want to be sitting next to a giant gas tank, of course, right? Clearly. Absolutely. Just an aluminum bomb, basically, Mm, is what we want to be driving. No, so it's, you know, I, the, the purist in me in a lot of ways thinks that it should be the 33 best cars. Mm-hmm. I really, I, that's how I feel. Um, you know, my team owners don't agree and anybody with a sponsor and a full-time entry doesn't agree. And I certainly see the argument of the teams that are invested for the whole year that help build the brand up for the whole year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, deserve a place in the biggest race. I see that argument. Right. Um, I don't disagree. It's just not what I would necessarily do. I think... I think that the best solution, first of all, double points are stupid. They always happen. They always will be in any race. Sonoma, Indy, whatever. But I think Indy should be an exhibition race. I think it should be our all-star race because it's not like any other race on the calendar. Mm -hmm. You get 100 hours of practice instead of an hour and a half of practice. You get two days of qualifying rather than 90 minutes of qualifying. You have 33 cars instead of 23 cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're racing for 2 million bucks rather than 35 grand. There's nothing about the Indy 500 that is like anything else on the calendar, so why make it part of the official championship? Right. That way, if a full-season guy doesn't make the race, his year's not screwed like mine now is. Right. So I, that's that's the proposition I'm going to throw out to Mark Miles and the gang at 16th in Georgetown. Well, you know, that's tradition, too. <laughs> Traditionally, race, it was the, not the a race championship race. The race was never race. a championship race until, what, 1996? God, I And love that's that your word. backup argument yeah, right there. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> that's... Oh, my God. So... Getting off the unpleasant trees. Mm. A lot of people who watch Indy are going to say, oh, it's just four left turns. The track's just four left turns. But it's a lot more than just going around a corner left four times. What Can you talk us through a lap of the track? What's different at turn one versus turn four? What, what are you focusing on? What do you have to change? What do you have to do? So what's so cool about Indy is, I mean, obviously the track is so big um, and it's so fast. It's so affected by weather. Mm-hmm. 
wind especially, track temp especially. And so on a given day, the answer to that question changes depending on what the weather conditions are. Um, so let's say for the sake of argument, you have a tailwind into turn one. Okay. So what that means for us is the car's gonna be really unstable turning into the first corner. Um, you're gonna have to protect the rear on entry, but you're also gonna be dealing with understeer on exit. You're gonna work your tools a little bit, change your line a little bit to adjust for that. <coughs> Excuse me. But also that means you got a bit of a crosswind as you turn into two, and then as you exit two, you're coming into a full-on headwind. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in the middle of two, the, the nose of that car is just gonna get pinned down, and it's gonna get really, really loose mm -hmm. mid to exit. There's little bumps on the exit of two as well that sometimes throw you off and you have to be cautious of. <coughs> then you go and you're turning into three now in a full headwind. So you're super high on center of pressure. The front wing's doing a lot of work. The nose is very on the ground, very pointy. So you gotta be very careful with your hands going in. Again, you're adjusting tools based on that. And then same thing, there's some bumps in the middle of three that can throw the car off. And then into four, the wind direction's going back that way. It actually makes the car understeer quite a bit because it's, it's essentially, disrupting the flow of air across uh, across the front of the wing. So rather than air is coming at it, a bunch of air is thrown at it from the side, and actually you actually lose a bunch of front grip there. Right. So if, the, if you've got a headwind into one, that's what you have to do, or a tailwind into one, that's what you have to do. If it's any other direction, all that changes. <laughs> and so you have to know how to do all these things in every given condition, because yeah. at some point during the race, the wind could change, it could get stronger, weaker, so it's part of the reason why you need so many days of practice there is to kind of get a little bit of a database as to what to do in a mm -hmm. given condition. Yeah, that's what's always struck me about the places you're watching the qualifying runs through. Some people are in fifth for every lap, I mean, because the gearing's different from car to car. I mean, the arrow's obviously different from car to car. Watching Ed out there doing a 230 lap versus Elio doing 228s, it's it's very different to watch. You know, I mean, the engineers have a very hard job, especially and all the drivers do too. But so, how's it been working with Lena for this sort of thing? She's new to oval racing. She is, yeah. It's it's um, it's it's a baptism of fire to be sure, but. Yeah. You know, she comes with a ton of experience, and uh, and what's great about this sport is that it very much is a team sport, you know, and luckily she wasn't put in a position where she's out there having to just pick into qualifying gears by herself her first time at the track. Right. You know, there's a lot of people involved in that uh, in that discussion and that decision, and it, and it is, it's so dependent on so many different things, and um, it can even, the weather can change enough from once your car goes through tech, you know, and so you could have mm -hmm. the wrong gears in, because the weatherman was wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, that's some of the fluky and quirky things about qualifying in Indy is a, a lot of it can be predicated on luck of the weather, essentially. Yeah. So is there ever, is, is it possible to get so much experience at Indy that you're prepared for all of that? Like if the wind's coming this direction, you know what to do if it's coming in this direction? Or is it one of these things where you go in and there's always something that you're experiencing for the first time. I think it was Dario said that every time I hit the track at Indy, I, I learned something new. Mm -hmm. And if that guy is saying that, then yeah, I think that applies for all of us, you mm -hmm. know, because there's always going to be... <clears throat> the thing in racing is there's so many variables that are outside of your control as a driver, mm -hmm. right? There are just so many of them. If there are a thousand things that it takes to go right to win a race, as a driver, you control <clears throat> about 12 of them. Mm -hmm. And so you can get a very broad, you know, experience base over the years, but at some point there'll be one scenario where just one or two of those variables is slightly different, and so it makes this, this situation slightly different. But right. yeah, I mean, you, you definitely get a, a handle on the big ticket items, but there's always going to be something unique to every time you're there and every lap you do that, that makes you have to kind of think on your toes a bit. Mm -hmm. 
Well, especially with the new car, right? I mean, how's how's the new car versus the old car this year or last year? So, <laughs> so let me just say, let me preface this by saying, I had this conversation with someone before Saturday. Okay. Okay. Right. So, this car is is way less fun in qualifying. <laughs> okay. And the reason is, and the reason is, um, what what used to be the big thing at Indy for qualifying was like, how brave are you going to be on your trim level? Right? Mm-hmm. How much downforce are you going to take off? How much drag are you going to take off? How fast you want to go? And with this new kit, they've actually, um, for a lot of reasons that make a lot of sense, they reduced the amount of, I guess, the number of options you have to trim. And so now, pretty much everybody went out at like the maximum allowed amount of trim, and the cars were still pretty drivable. Mm. Like So now you're having to really mechanically try and free the thing up, and it, it comes a lot more down to car build, who's got the best gearbox who's got the best uprights and those were always big parts of of indy no doubt but you could always claw a little bit back by being the guy that was willing to take off one extra degree of rear wing you know yeah and now you can't really do that and so it's it's harder to find speed right because you can't just kind of rely on all right well maybe we're not rolling super well but let's just whip the drag off and let's go for it yeah you can't really do it so in a qualifying scenario it's not quite as cool as it was And the race, I think we're not going to know until Sunday. Right. Um, race running and practice is always so different than what it actually ends up being on race day. So I think we all are kind of in for a bit of a lesson on that one. I mean, do you, does, are, so who do you think is the person to watch now? Other than if, if you're in, not in the race, who's the, who's, the guy to, who's the guy to keep an eye on? I mean, obviously, it's going to be one of the SPM cars. It's going to be Robbie Wickens, Jack Harvey, or Jay Howard. Okay. Uh, but if, if not those guys... Um, it's tough. I mean, obviously the Penske's have been just like lighting fast up yeah. front. Um, Ed's always always great here, and you know he's due for a solid result. Mm-hmm. He usually has some bad luck. Um, but honestly, man, when you watch when you watch through the 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 race trim practice earlier in the week, the Penske's were terrible. They were really not very good. No. Um, but then I watched a lot of practice on Monday. I have the time, <laughs> and they've they've done a lot of work on their race car apparently. Yeah. So uh, they were looking a lot racier in traffic, but man, it's Indy. Literally anybody can win this race. It's tough. It's tough to know who to watch. Yeah, that's true. It's crazy. You had some non motorsports adjacent questions. Let's as... move away from the racetrack, shall right, we? Cool. Love as, it. As, um, as, as and towards cars. reality TV. <laughs> um, so. I, I have to ask, you know, you so you've done Dancing with the Stars. Um, you know, we, we saw Ari with uh, The Bachelor. Yeah. Why is there this recent trend that race car drivers are are moving towards reality TV? Like, what's what's the similarity there? What is the skill that drivers have that makes them good at reality TV? Oh man, I mean, I think it's it's so uh, it's so specific to the to the show. You know, I think the skill that Ari had for being on The Bachelor was that he'd been on The Bachelorette. I don't mm. think that that one's not really a skill. So we had a lot of practice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But when uh, when it comes to other stuff if there's a competition involved right Mm. we're super competitive people and drivers as athletes are pretty they're pretty well rounded you know like you've got to have a certain level of physical fitness physical endurance reaction time decision making you know things like that as a lot of athletes do right um but you know certain certain sports you've got a you've got a position and like that's your position and that's all you know how to do and you do it really freaking well and and you make tons of money and that's great for you Mm. Uh, in racing like we have to kind of be good at a lot of different things 
And, and I think that kind of you know, diversity that you need mentally more than anything makes drivers good at picking up new things. Like, I don't know how to dance. <laughs> nope. Or you didn't. I still don't. I really don't. But I, I, knew how to, I knew how to push myself. I knew mm-hmm. how to motivate myself. I knew how to watch something and mimic it. Like, I come, I come back from a session. I look at data. I look that my teammate is two tenths quicker in this corner because he's doing this with his feet. I go back out and I have to implement that and mm-hmm. do the same thing. Like, the, the movements are different, but the philosophy, the practice is the same. Right. And I, and I think that that's like the amazing race. You know, it's, it's problem solving. It's, it's athleticism. It's mm-hmm. thing. And that's why I think the guys did really well on that show. It's, yeah. uh, I think that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Huh. Um, I forgot about them being on that show. Yeah, I, I forgot about that too. Connor. Yeah. Um, so, so this is sort of a stupid analogy, but, you know, on Dancing with the Stars, you had to learn so many different types of, of dance, dances. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I sort of wonder if, like, being able to memorize a lot of different tracks uses sort of a similar part of the brain where, where you're doing very different tasks and, and having to remember them all. Yeah, I think there are, there are definitely some parallels to that. Um, it, was, it was one of the most frustrating things, though, because, you know, you spend all week on, on, a, on a dance learning not just that specific routine, but all the style, all the moves that go in with that particular style of dance. And then you like you like get you get okay and you start feeling good about it, you know. And then you mm-hmm. perform it on Monday and you, and you kill it and you're like, all right, I'm a dancer. And then you show right. up on Tuesday and you're like, forget everything I taught you. <laughs> None of the frame stuff matters today. Yeah. None of the moves exist mm-hmm. anymore. We're starting from scratch. So every week you felt like you were starting from nothing. Yeah. So like the way I would equate that in racing would be like switching less about necessarily switching tracks I think the memorizing thing like you said that that plays into it mm-hmm. but the the style changes was almost like having to race a different car every weekend huh. so it's like driving an indie car one weekend then a stock car the next weekend then a Baja truck the next weekend and mm-hmm. you know because they were all just so di- same basic idea but right. very different interesting yeah huh. so you can't dance at all no like if I, if I told you to go like uh, cut a rug do the kids still say that <laughs> I think no? they do. Yeah, so I think we can if, say that. If we wanted, if we were forcing you, like if someone had like a gun to your head telling you to, you know, you, you go uh, jive, jive turkey. Yeah. Um, would you, uh, you wouldn't be able to jive? No, I wouldn't be able to, to jive. You know, it's funny. You actually landed on the one where I should be able to do something because like all of them are, they're all partner dances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't have a partner anymore. Travis is willing to be your. Oh wait, so partner. that I did, That's a that's a dance you do by yourself. <laughs> yeah, no Jive. There's actually some moves you do by yourself. So I should in theory know some of those, yeah. but I. No. Dude, look. Here's the deal. You put anybody in a situation where they get eight hours a day, six days a week, mm-hmm. to just learn one ninety second routine with a professional dancer choreographer in the room with you. Anybody in this room could do it kind of takes all the magic away then it does but here's <laughs> here's the difference though is you got to be willing to do it mm-hmm. so if i put some music on <laughs> you're not getting this you're really you're not, not you getting this, this no, boom no, box. But, but like, i'm gonna do the macarena like i would have done before dancing <laughs> with the stars as it's the only but you, so dance you, move I know. you wouldn't have the memory of that 90 second routine like uh from it's not burned into your memory for bur- all like, eternity it's, it's like if i haven't been to mid ohio in like four years but i would know how to drive remember okay. how to drive around mid ohio right okay good point I see your point. Um, I would say that I would remember, I would remember roughly the routine, mm. but being able to execute it is very different. Would your mm. first lap at Mid Ohio be fast? 
Yes. <laughs> I think the question is, would any of your laps be fast? <laughs> More importantly. Shut up. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. Yeah. No, if I you guess. had all day to drive around Mid-Ohio, yeah. you'd be very comfortable again. So, like, yeah, I would remember that in a foxtrot, you got to kind of do this, and there's this, and mm-hmm. there's this move, and we did this move at this beat. I wish our listeners could see all the motions you're making right now. <laughs> we'll include them in the annotation. Yeah, of course. That's a thing, right? You can make, like, uh, we can do that, right? We can illustrate it with text. Gifts. With, like, the, we'll just do we'll gifs. gifs. I love gifs. The whole thing will be named after gifs. The best is when you have an entire conversation, like text conversation with somebody, using exclusively gifs. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. Because it says so much. It, like, it, it does. It, it a picture's worth a thousand words. And a gif has got to be worth 20,000. <laughs> Well, at the same time, literally not saying it. It's literally said zero words, but Mm. also said, see, I send the Bitmoji around. Mm. It looks astoundingly like Travis. (laughs) It's uh, it's eerie. Yeah, it uses the same expressions, everything. They have one that says neat, and I say neat a lot. There you Uh, go. So, yeah, I prefer the Bitmoji. You could stay home. We could just put your Bitmoji up on a screen, and it'd be like just like you're here at the office. And I'd be getting just as much done. <laughs> glad you said it. So, uh, I'm glad you brought up gifts, because uh, you... So What a segue, yeah, wow. right? You're good at this podcasting Buckle in thing. for this I'm glad one. you brought up gifts, because uh, the presidential election is coming, <laughs> and we're interested in finding out. <laughs> Um, so, so you're very active on Twitter and on Instagram, and you've got this new podcast, Off Track, which is hosted by you and Alexander Rossi. Yes. Uh, you've also done a lot of uh, TV commentary. Like, what what draws you to be so active in with your fans and also in media? Uh, two part answer. Um, so, I mean, the, the the social media side of things is really interesting because I think as ath- as athletes, as far as athletes go, drivers are in a pretty unique um, world when it comes to this stuff. Because so if you're if you're a if you're a sponsor of the Indianapolis Colts or wait, we're in New York. What's your local sports team? Jets. Pick a sport. Jets. <laughs> you pick the Jets. But the Yankees, Yankees the, yeah, Mets, the Mets, the, yeah, the Giants, Rangers, are they still I, or I, the Jets. <laughs> or the, if you play with a traditional stick and ball sport organization, right? And let's say you're a company that sponsors that team, okay? You probably get a certain number of player appearances as part of your sponsorship. That's part of the deal. And if you're, say, uh, a player for the Jets or you're the Jets, you get to pick one of the 50... How many guys on a roster? Oh, it's team? somewhere between 50 and 110. Right. So, right. <laughs> 50 and all of New York. Right. So, yeah, let's call it 55. You get to pick... Let's say, let's say they get five appearances. You could pick five different guys, and they each do one appearance. And then the next sponsor, you'll pick five other guys and mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Every sticker that's on the car gets driver appearances, and there's only one driver. So we are we are directly responsible for all those companies. We are directly the spokesperson for all those companies, mm-hmm. and they they love the they love interaction on social media. Um, so th- there's a big pressure to do it in our sport. the The other side of it is I uh, am still, but when I was younger, was a very big racing fan, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, the thought of, like, if I was a kid and I could have followed Greg Moore on Twitter Mm -hmm. and there was, like, maybe a chance that Greg Moore liked a tweet that I sent him or something, like, I think about how hard I would have fangirled in that that situation. And so for me, as a fan of the sport, man, I love interacting with fans on social media. I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it gives us such a unique tool. Normally in racing, if you do well in the race, they watch this two-hour race and all they see is your car and your helmet. (coughs) 
and maybe if you win, you get a 30-second interview where all you do is talk about the race. They don't right. know anything about you. They don't learn who you are. If you watch a basketball game courtside, you see that guy. You, you see how he interacts with other players. You, you know what his personality's like. Yeah. You don't get that watching a race. And so for us, it's a huge tool to be able to like get ourselves out there and let people know who we are. And that really engages fans. It gives them a vested interest in it. Yeah. And that's something that, that you know, we've all been racing long. We've all been watching racing long enough to see this change where we all, you know, everybody that's in this room remembers a day when you couldn't just pull out your phone and, and tweet to a star, you right. know, tweet to a racer, tweet to a, a professional hey, screw athlete. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. Which, you get a which, lot of that too, which yeah. is fun. So, so what's the balance between like people who, people who are contacting you because they love you and people who are just talking shit? I mean, yeah, you, you get that for sure. Um, I've got a pretty strict don't engage the crazies policy on mm -hmm. social media, but every once in a while, I'll be in just a chipper enough mood <laughs> to throw one back. Um, and it, you know what's funny about what's funny about like haters on, on Twitter and stuff or whatever, any social media, is like nine times out of ten, if you actually like call them out, mm -hmm. they pull the quickest 180. Man, it's really. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see it that way. I, I never. Thanks yeah. for right. Thanks That's for surprising. The rest of the season. Oh, dude, because it happens all the time. So do you think it's because they think they're never going to get a response? Hundred like, percent. Like they're just shouting into the void. Exactly. And then they, they realize that somebody actually read that. and They're like, huh? Shit, I probably shouldn't have said yeah. that. You know, like yeah. that was a, that was a stupid thing to say. Which is mm -hmm. most tweets. <laughs> it's, right. It's, it's just a stupid thing to say. But yeah. That's yeah. you know. So, I mean, you get the ones that just dig their heels in and, and mm -hmm. are just terrible people. And then they're arguing with a professional who actually does this. Right. And it's, you know, and it's all the, yeah, it's all the couch quarterbacks and it's all the, and it's, and it's fine. Like my, my whole thing, man, is like, if you're willing to get that angry on social media, you clearly have things in your life that are really, really not going well for you. And mm -hmm. I don't want to make that worse. So right. like, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna fight with you on this because you're having a bad day, man. I really, I genuinely hope that tomorrow is a better day for you, and that you're not like so angry at seeing yeah. my face on a Honda commercial that you just want to tell me how much you hate me. Wait, people are because of the Honda commercial. Oh, right? dude, I got so much hate mail from the Honda. Really? Commercials. Yeah, it was great. It was yeah. great. <laughs> it was the best. This one guy, he said, <laughs> "This is one of the times where I threw a response back because I just thought it was it was too easy." Um, he. He commented. He commented on a. It was a picture on Instagram. It wasn't even on Twitter. And it was a picture that had nothing to do with. He just. He just found my most recent picture and went on mm -hmm. and commented. And he was like, you know, get your stupid, ugly, whatever face, uh, you know, off my TV. It plays all the times during my Flyers game. You're ruining the game for me. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and then I wrote. I just. I'm like, this is too easy. And I just wrote back. I think you'll find being a Flyers fan is ruining the game for Ooh. you. <laughs> And he didn't like that. No, really? No, huh. no. So then the DMs started. Oh, and, shit. Oh, man. The... Wait, you have open DMs? Yeah. Yeah, you oh, can... Well, there's like... Can you do that to anybody on Instagram? I don't know. Yeah, well, there's, Apparently, there's, I don't know the internet. So there's like... There's now like, everybody's going to DM Travis. DMs, there's DMs for people that you follow, and then like like there's like a separate folder that's like junk DMs of people you don't oh, follow. Shit. So every once in a while I'll scroll through that just because I'm bored. And, mm. I, and I saw it, I well, recognized the name. that's gotta be ripe in there. Oh, dude, it was so good. He just kept going. He was so angry. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, you you decide when those commercials go on. You beam them to his TV no, personally. I, I this personally, is all your work. Yeah, no, I, I called Honda's ad agency after that. I was like, we need to up our game in Philly. <laughs> we need more, we need more <laughs> exposure, exposure specifically during <laughs> NHL games. Can I make an appearance at a Flyers game? <laughs> yeah. God, that would be... And, that, and that's just it, right? Like, mm. it's, yeah. you know, 
Yes, sorry, I, I have direct control over every time one of those commercials airs. Definitely, <laughs> please air your grievances with me. I, I will take them, you know. But. It's just amazing how brave people are online. For sure. Well, the the, the YouTube commenters, yeah. the Facebook, you know, there might be a YouTube commenter in your family and you don't know about it. And that's the really <laughs> sad part. <laughs> that's true. Is that my, my dad might be commenting on YouTube videos. That's so true. And it would yeah. change your entire impression of him. Because... <laughs> Because you take their keyboard away, and then then they're they're nothing. Like they change completely. Right. Like they don't have, they don't actually have the guts to say that to anybody in real life. I just want to make clear if my dad listens to this that I love my dad. And <laughs> not, I do not actually think he's commenting on YouTube videos. He's going to comment on the podcast now. We're not going to enable comments. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a no comment zone. Um, so what have you got lined up for for the new podcast for Off Track? Um. So we actually just did something that. I geeked out about pretty hard because I'm a huge um, space nerd. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the guy. Yeah, I, so I went to space camp when I was a kid. Like, I'm a big space nerd. Nice. Yeah. And uh, there's an astronaut that's a big racing fan, and he's, he's come around to a couple races, and I was introduced to him by an, an old engineer of mine, and we just stayed in touch, became buddies. Cool. I, mean, just, I can say I've got an astronaut friend. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. throw that out there. It's a humble brag. I'm going to yeah. let that happen. Got a friend in space. Got a friend in space. And... Uh, he agreed to come on the podcast while he's he's on ISS right now. Oh wow! And and like we came up with this idea. We're like, I wonder if Drew would be able to come on the podcast. And we're like, mm. I don't think that's how that works. He's like, busy doing space things. Yeah, he's yeah. doing super spacey things right now. So I'm like, let's just. I got a friend that works in uh, NASA's PR department. He used to work for Firestone, and so I sent, I just sent him a kind of softball thing. I'm like, hey man, do you think this would even be like a possibility? Yeah. Mm. He goes, you know, they're they're pretty busy up there, but you know, you know, in, here's in space, in space doing stuff. Space. Yeah, <laughs> just, just doing astronaut stuff. But I actually had um, he had before he left, he he gave me his his email address up there. So like we had been there's email, dude. This is what I'm saying. Again, no, this story gets better. It's it, dot moon. <laughs> so so he was like he was like yeah I think like here's like the PR person that's more in charge of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Email them. But if you have his address, like. It, it, if it comes from him, it'll carry more weight. So, like, send him a note. I'm oh, like, so you I'm snuck gonna... in the back door. Oh, yeah, I totally backdoored this. Yeah. So I, I just casually sent an email to Space. <laughs> I was like, hey, Space. I, just, I love that James. <laughs> yeah. It's James here. Hi. And he's like, yeah. He goes, here. He sent me another contact. He goes, get a hold of this person. Long story short, we made it work. And mm-hmm. so we did an interview with Drew from, from the International Space Station. That's that awesome. That is on an upcoming episode. Which I'm pretty geeked about. How'd you get so, like, your podcasting equipment to them? <laughs> yeah, so they've actually got cooler podcasting equipment up there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they don't need any of our microphones. Oh, it's, it's NASA pretty, grade podcasting equipment. Yeah, they're pretty hooked up. They yeah. can talk to people on the moon. Yeah. So how are you going to top that? Like Kim Kardashian is coming on next week. <laughs> that's a lie, and that's also not topping that. I'm sorry. Uh, so okay, it's a significant yeah. fall down. Don't, I don't know. I would be impressed. <laughs> Yeah, not as impressive space. No, yeah, that's not it's not a space level <laughs> thing. I don't know. I'm gonna wait for somebody to go to Mars, I guess, and just mm. put the podcast on hold until we can talk to Mars. Okay, that, good plan. That, yeah. sure, that that'll happen. Maybe Elon Musk would be a good guess because then we could talk about how to get to Mars. Well, he doesn't right. even know, does he? I think he's working on it though, and like I wouldn't put it past him. No, he's done some pretty he, pretty bananas stuff. It's one of his many projects. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, God, he's he's literally a Bond villain incarnate, isn't he? Because he's got his own space program, his own uh-huh. car, he's digging tunnels places. But he keeps saying, he's like, we're going to put the tunnels under Los Angeles and people can commute. It's called the subway. 
<laughs> it's already like, been we've invented. Had we've had subways for ages. Do you, you've, yeah. been, you've been in New York before. We but can... they don't go Mach 2, so is it fun? But is that, the tunnel thing's not Mach 2. It's the, just a tunnel. The tunnel thing is... It's it's just a, it was the No, no, it was the San Francisco not to the, L.A. Not that's Hyperloop. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah. I didn't know Different projects. I was, yeah, I'm way behind on my must projects. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, gotta be clear on those things. Um, yeah, so, so, you know... Obviously, we talk a lot about self-driving cars, electric cars. These are, these are the things that are in our sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see racing changing with with these new technologies? Yeah, a lot, definitely. Uh, unfortunately, no, not unfortunately. Next question. It's a good thing. Yeah. No, I think it's going to change. Next question. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's so it's it's been pretty incredible to see what Formula E's done in a really short period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was one of those guys. Is it? Well. Is, okay, from a racing standpoint, no, it's like the worst. Right. Um, the money behind it is incredible yeah. because it's the so. Here's the thing: racing used to be, uh, it was it was an R and D field for road cars, right? right? And road car technology has so far now surpassed race car technology that they had to start like toning back race cars for like, I mean, just like common sense reasons but also financial reasons whatever mm-hmm. and and it's no longer really a proving ground like right. we can we can make fuel economy a little better and we can maybe you know improve a couple things here and there maybe yeah. some safety stuff but like we're not revolutionizing road cars anymore it's just, well and I, and I love the example that you know you can buy a Corvette for the street that makes more horsepower than the Corvette that races 100% yeah. so so racing is very much a marketing endeavor these days um, there are exceptions sports certain levels of sports car racing Obviously, Formula One, kind of, even though it's like way over the top. But now, Formula E is exactly what combustion engine racing was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the racing is, is, it will get better. The cars will get cooler. They'll start using real tires at some point. They'll stop having to have a backup car just to make the end of the race. Next year. There you go. Yeah. We're getting there. And that's because they're pushing the technology. And the yeah. money that is behind that series is incredible mm-hmm. because there's legitimate development happening there. Right. So I think as, as electric cars become more prevalent on the road, they'll become more prevalent on the racetrack, and that is that is definitely going to change change the face of the sport. Mm-hmm. Do I think we're, we're ever going to get rid of gas engine racing? No. Not in our lifetimes, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, and that brings up a good point, too, because you know you talked about how for example, the, the, the cars that you race have very little in common with street cars. Um, do you think that's still a necessary component of racing? Like, it used, the idea used to be if you owned a Chevy, you'd root for Chevy. If you owned a Honda, you'd root for Honda, etc. Do you think we still need to have that tangible connection to street cars in order to get people interested in racing? That's an interesting question, actually, and <clears throat> I think that I think that there is still some uh, some element of brand loyalty, um, even though there's less that relates directly to you know what you're driving on the road kind of thing. Um, but I, I think I think part of the problem is car culture has changed so much, mm-hmm. right? Kids these days don't look forward to raising up a thousand bucks and buying an old beater Mustang and fixing it up and working on cars. Like you can't work on cars anymore. They're too even if you're a car guy, they're just too advanced. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so kids and 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 adults, whatever, they don't have that that bond with cars the way they used to. And so I think that we lost a huge kind of fan demographic by 
not being able to re you know to reproduce car guys and girls you know mm. so we have to make racing fans another way and we have to make it exciting in other ways and draw them in other ways i do think that the uh i do think obviously the manufacturer involvement is incredibly important and mm. and it's still a good like i say it's a good marketing tool for them and all the rest of it um but i do think the manufacturer relationship with racing in general has has shifted because of the way car culture shifted right right so so it sounds like you're saying it, it's moving more towards a thing where like people don't people don't follow basketball teams because they're basketball players correct uh so so yeah i guess the trick is finding a way to make racing fans who aren't necessarily car fans it's just got to be entertainment man it's just mm. got to be like every other sport it's mm. got to be entertainment and where we struggle uh as a group is that we're so much less relatable than pretty much any other sport mm -hmm. because you can't go out in your backyard and, and race a indie car exactly yeah you can go throw a football you can go hit a golf ball you can go try and sink a three-pointer miss it and say hey steph curry's pretty good at what he does yeah right but nobody gets the op very 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 few people get the opportunity to even attempt to do what we do hmm. to realize hey these guys are actually really good at what they do and so the appreciation for what i'm not saying we're not appreciated but the common fan doesn't have an understanding or appreciation of what right. it takes to do what we do so it's harder to there's have not that a connection. tangible touch point right yeah right. so did you grow up working on cars not really. I mean, my dad had some old cars, but they were always in relatively good working order, so mm -hmm. we never had to really get too dirty with them. But um, but as soon as I got a go kart, you know, that was like that was kind of my my step into it because mm -hmm. you know it was just my dad and I working on on carts for five six years. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I never had my old beater car to to fix up either. Yeah. We have to. So on that note, whatever <laughs> note that was, <laughs> we have to end this wonderful first edition of the podcast. James, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for coming by. You guys are yeah. doing great. Oh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I wish we this is coming from a professional podcaster. Yeah, that's so. true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, download this wherever uh, we put it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know where that is quite yet. Should probably check it out on Castbox just in case you want to listen to it there. Yeah, and so where can our listeners find your new podcast? Uh, well, I think funny you mentioned it. Castbox is a great place <laughs> to find Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Be sure to download the latest episode and subscribe. Okay. Ours will be exclusively on my Twitter account. <laughs> uh, I will tweet out a link to a very large uh, zip file. I like, I like how we're telling people how to download the podcast they've just listened to. Also, it's how to download ours. Subscribe there. Yeah, there you go. We're still learning. Yeah. <laughs> Same steps. Cool. cool. All right. Hitch, thanks for stopping by. Thank you.